on the northwest corner of 12th and Spring Street in Philadelphia, there's a vacant two-story brick building. Out front, a historical marker for Sigma Sound Studios reads, Established in 1968 by Joseph Tarsia, Sigma was known worldwide for its distinctive sound and recording innovations. Hits by the OJs, Stylistics, and others produced at 212 North 12th Street by Gamble, Huff, and Bell drew top recording artists such as David Bowie and Stevie Wonder. These days, Sigma is long gone, but the building that housed that historic recording studio is still there. In 2019, the city of Philadelphia acknowledged the building's importance and placed it on its register of historic places. Basically, that means that it can't be torn down and replaced with condos or a convenience store. Anyway, back in the day, Sigma was a big deal. It's where most of the artists on Philadelphia International recorded. There was a core group of studio musicians who served as a house band for Philly International. They were called MFSB. And first of all, you got to start with that name, MFSB. Everybody used to say, well, what does that mean? That means mother, father, sister, brother, family. And that's what our concept was, is do music that's for the whole family. That's Kenny Gamble. He describes the sprawling lineup of MFSB as an orchestra. Our rhythm section with Ronnie Baker and Norman Harris and Earl Young and Larry Washington, all of them guys, and Lenny Pakula. We used the same musicians on all of the music. We played together every, every day, practically. Leon Huff. So you're going to have a familiar sound. You know, but I, I always thought that the Gammon had to have a certain style that became recognizable. I'm John Morrison, and this is Vinyl Me Please Anthology, the story of Philadelphia International Records. Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff founded Philadelphia International Records in 1971. During the label's first two years in existence, they racked up hits with songs like Me and Mrs. Jones by Billy Paul, If You Don't Know Me By Now from Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, and Love Train by the OJs. That recognizable certain style that Huff is talking about, it became known as the sound of Philadelphia, Philly Soul. Songs like Love Is The Message, the title track from MFSB's 1973 album, epitomized that sound. Musicians in MFSB were a huge part of the Philly sound, but so was their clubhouse, Sigma Sound Studios, where MFSB put the sound of Philly soul down on tape. To go to Sigma Sound was, you know, because, I mean, it was a world-renowned sound studio. I think it was two small rooms downstairs, and then the, I remember the bigger room being up the stairs. You had to walk up the stairs to the big studio where, where you did, you know, the bulk of the work. Shirley Jones was a member of the Jones Girls, a vocal trio who signed to Philly International in the late 70s. Four decades later, she's still gushing about Sigma Sound Studios recording engineer, Joe Tarzia. He was the greatest. I mean, the best engineer that the man's ear 
was in, incredible, uh, just fun. You know, he loved doing doing our sessions. Uh, he did a lot of Kenny sessions, Gamble and Huff sessions. Those, those studios were going from sunrise to sunset. Kenny Gamble. It was beautiful to be able to work with people and engineers. Because in New York, they used to come in on us and say, okay, you guys got a, a half an hour. <laughs> me and I would say, hey, man, we we just getting started, man. So uh, Joe Tarja and his staff, listen, they were, we're all family. All of us were together. We were comfortable that Sigma sound, and you don't have to worry about how the drums sound or how the, how the bass sound or whatever the case, because they knew us. They knew what we wanted, and we all worked together every day. Yeah, it was beautiful. So we had, the basic thing that we had to worry about and concentrate on was the feeling. One feeling that Gamble and Huff set out to capture was that of the TV show Soul Train. The show was hosted by their friend Don Cornelius. Shirley Jones says that for an artist, being on Soul Train meant that you had made it. But when she was a kid growing up in Detroit, Oh, man, it was the place where we would all gather on Saturdays to just watch all these dancers, these black dancers, it, because there's so many of us before Soul Train, we, we were doing the same thing with American Bandstand, which was fun to watch other people our ages, you know, dancing. And then they had they would have the performances by the different artists. The majority of them were white. So when Soul Train came along to actually see our artists, you know, the R&B artists on there. And then these dancers creating all the Soul Train line and doing all these fabulous dances, we would all kind to be soul trained in our living rooms on Saturday. <laughs> so that was the beauty of growing up during the time of soul train. Back at Sigma, Gamble, Huff, and MFSB were plugging away on the Soul Train theme song. The show's host, Don Cornelius, had flown from California to Philly to help out. The story goes that things weren't going well and Don was about to head back to California empty-handed. But Kenny Gamble convinced him to stick around one more day while he and Huff played with some ideas on piano. Sure enough, they found a great instrumental groove. They called the song TSOP, The Sound of Philadelphia. But Kenny Gamble wasn't done with the Soul Train theme just yet. Valerie Holiday is a member of the vocal trio The Three Degrees. They were signed to Philly International and were at Sigma working on their own record just as TSOP was coming together. Kenny called us into the studio where they were doing the, the recording of TSOP uh, and asked if we could listen to this track, he said, and, and, and see if you can, can come up with, with some vocals that, that we can put on this. At that particular time, we didn't know it was really for the, the television show, uh, Soul Train. In addition to being the theme song for Soul Train, TSOP was also released on MFSB's 1973 album, Love is the Message. The song went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and earned MFSB a Grammy Award.
The Three Degrees finished working on their self-titled Philly International debut, and it was full of songs written by Gamble and Huff, including Track One, Side A, Dirty Old Man. When re-recorded, uh, one of the songs on the album entitled Dirty Old Man was quite funny because, of course, we were like in our early 20s, you know, so uh, we kind of really identified with, with the song. Me and Huff, we had to put a little game in it. Dirty Old Man is one of them songs where these guys be messing with these girls and, and the girls don't want them touching them. Of, of, of Dirty Old Man is like you're a dirty old man, you can't keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> you know, some people, when they listen to that, they may have been a little offended, but uh, hey, truth be said, they knew they were dirty old men because you're a married man and you're trying to hit on me, you know? <laughs> The song itself kind of got us in trouble when we uh, went over to Europe to promote it because at that particular time, there was still a, a ban on, on what you could say lyrics were, were, were you know, scrutinized. Those lyrics seem pretty tame by today's standards, even empowering in the post-Me Too era. But in 1973, the idea of a young woman calling out an older man wasn't appreciated by some gatekeepers in the media. So when we went over to England, the BBC kind of banned Dirty Old Man. But then we went to Amsterdam uh, and it was like number one. So the pressure, because it was number one and it kept popping off on the other countries over in Europe as well, it kind of forced them to put it back on the playlist. <laughs> Other standout tracks from the Three Degrees self-titled record continue to maintain their relevance through their timeless messages. When we recorded Year of Decision, that to me was always a, a very interesting song. that are in the song were relevant when they recorded back in the 70s. They are still relevant today because of the situation that we find ourselves in throughout life. The year of decision is, yes, this is the year to make your decision, to make up your mind what side you're, you're going to be on. So each song has a personal message to it. It's, it's not just ooh-ahs, you know, they're words that you can listen to and identify with. No matter how old or how young you are, they will fit a situation in your life. But of all the Gamble and Huff songs that the Three Degrees recorded throughout the years, Valerie Holiday says this album includes her favorite. Number one at the top of the list will always be When Will I See You Again? Um, because those questions are questions that we ask each time we leave our loved ones, each time we leave friends, each time that, that you're, you're introduced to someone that you're hoping you're going to see again. So it, it's, it, it will always remain number one in my heart. 
It's an extraordinary song, but Kenny Gamble says When Will I See You Again was inspired by a really ordinary moment. One day I'm walking past the office and me and Huff was getting ready to do some writing. And this girl walked up and I said, hey, how you doing? You know, she said, I'm doing good. I said, what are you doing? And you know, just lollygagging. And then all of a sudden she said, well, when am I going to see you again? That was it. I said, oh, well, what a title. <laughs> so when we go upstairs and start writing, man, I wrote, when will I yeah. see you again? Doesn't Kenny Gamble make writing hit songs sound easy? Like it's something that everyone should be able to do after observing a couple in a cafe or saying hello to a colleague at the office? It's like they got magical powers. And yes, Gamble and Huff are very talented, but Kenny says that their success certainly didn't come easily. I always tell everybody, I say, you want to be like uh, Gamble and Huff? Then you got to get prepared to work. You got to be able to sacrifice, you know? And so those people that sacrifice and work hard, they, you can do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. But I think that, that opening the doors so that you can get your records on the radio and and get your records played in, in, the, in the retail stores and so forth, whatever. Hey, listen, we've been through all of that. And it wasn't just the normal challenges of starting a business that Gamble and Huff had to overcome. They were black men making records by black artists. Racism was a factor. Where they wouldn't even put no, no albums on the shelf in a store that had a black person's face on it. We were able to beat all that stuff down to, with excellence. What made, what made our music uh, break all those those uh, roadblocks was the music was good and the message was good. All of those artists and producers and people that didn't have a way in, we brought a lot of them in on, on our backs and shoulders. So that's what we was doing in the community. We was opening doors for people and ourselves. We become a family. Gamble Huff and uh, we, we saw that it was working because other people were following us. 
they they would have the Lennox family or the Columbia family, you know. And so we were we were trendsetters instead of trend followers. We'll get into more of the music that Philly International made in the 1970s on the next episode of Vinyl Me Please Anthology, the story of Philadelphia International Records. Coming up in episode three, we'll tell the story of how Gamble, Huff, and Philly International created music that spoke to the social and political dynamics of the world around them. They were making music with a message, like the song, Wake Up Everybody. To me, that was just such a powerful song, you know, telling black people in particular, hey, to wake up, you better be more aware. You better wake up and realize and recognize what's going on in our communities. Wake up, everybody, no more sleeping in bed. That's next time on Vinyl Me Please Anthology, the story of Philadelphia International Records. This episode was written by John Myers with help from me, John Morrison. This season of Vinyl Me Please Anthology was produced by Alex Lewis and John Myers of Rohome Productions. The executive producer for Vinyl Me Please is Amelia Sutliff. Special thanks to the people at Sony Music and Philadelphia International Records. I'm John Morrison. Thanks for listening.